Audio Gyan with Kedar Nimkar, a podcast that documents insightful conversations with Indian designers, artists, musicians, writers, thinkers, and creatives of all types. Catch us on iTunes or visit audiogyan.com for more Gyan sessions. Here's your host, Kedar Nimkar. Today, I have Samip Padora with us on Audio Gyan. Samip is a practicing architect and a principal of design studio SPA in Mumbai. Samip is in pursuit and encouragement of sustainable contextual and innovative practices that arise from the site itself. He received his diploma in architecture from Academy of Architecture, went to study at SCI uh, in Los Angeles and received his masters from Graduate School of Design Harvard University in 2005. He is a member of academic councils of number of schools and is a member of National Technical Committee of Habitat for Humanity India. and today we are here to discuss his approach towards context in the world of architecture so thank you samip for giving your time and it's a real real honor to have you on audio gang thank you for having me here yeah uh, so yes uh, like i'm planning to do this particular episode uh, actually this particular thing in two episodes uh, the first one i'm trying uh, if we can capture some philosophical aspects of uh, what i have come up with as questions and the second is more practical because you have like a huge body of work obviously part of it is documented part of uh, it i'm guessing you would share today so let's see how it goes uh, so yeah in the first part which is more like a philosophical approach uh, i would like to start off with a more abstract question um, uh, in our previous conversations uh, you you mentioned the word context and which i've also gone through a bunch of articles online so what does the word context mean to you especially when you are designing like when you are dealing with space design or architecture um the thing is context actually uh, the the idea of context can be addressed at many, many levels one is of course the immediate environment that any uh, intervention sits in that is a context there is a certain amount of embedded knowledge that you are uh, privy to because of your training because of what you've done in the past uh because of uh, the knowledge networks that you actually have access to currently which also generate in some sense a context of their own uh given the fact that uh, the kind of world that we live in uh, is connected at not just the physical uh, state but also in through these various kind of digital networks there is also a context that's emerging that might not necessarily be uh, primarily about this uh, geographical proximity mm-hmm. uh so you know to kind of answer your philosophical question with uh, another kind of philosophical twist uh, really what is uh, uh, context in today's time hmm. uh, is it about just the environment is it also about this layer of uh, networks that you are embedded in or you have access to um, and i think the answer to that lies somewhere in between that context itself has become very ephemeral it's something that uh, might be uh, by might, might also change with uh, during uh, a certain time of the day time of the year uh, you know in the future in the in the next 2 years in the next 3 years in the next 4 years so on and so forth mm. so Sorry, but this has to do how it does it connect with architecture well uh, architecture also inhabits a certain spatial uh, uh, 
let's say realm over time right so uh, architecture itself does not stay static many times what happens is uh, we des- we design for a certain client or we design for a certain uh, for a certain understanding of uh, what we are building where we are building but things change you know so for instance uh, lots of buildings that were built in the british uh, era for or you know historically for a particular uh, reason are now being used for another purpose right mm-hmm. so that program has changed over time so everything even the program itself has a certain context na so what uh, for instance there's this beautiful example within uh, in delhi uh, which is kuli kutub khan's uh, tomb uh, which was built out of pieces of uh, of uh, an indian temple it was built as a tomb the tomb when the british were here became the farmhouse of uh, of the british regent of the time uh, it was called dilkush as a bungalow so you know it's it's strange that a temple becomes uh, you know a kind of uh, tomb then becomes a british regent's uh, farmhouse so uh, the context of that time is as important as uh, you know the uh, the context of that particular place so as time evolves uh, so does context so does program and i think architecture obviously is closely linked to this idea of program right i mean mm-hmm. what inhabits the space mm-hmm. so if you're able to in some sense design uh, a project that allows for these multiple things to occur within this uh, within the spatial construct that you have then i think there is something there to be coming you know you, the cliche is to call it timeless but it's not really that it actually is responsive to time as time uh, kind of goes by so the context then is also temporal it's not just spatial Mm-hmm. and do all these spaces eventually become museums <laughs> <laughs> that's a good question uh one would like to think so but i do i i think uh, one of the uh one of the pet peeves that i have also about um, you know about the past is that we tend to see it as a moment frozen in time right that when we actually look at our heritage we think about the heritage as this full stop that occurred 200 years ago and now what's manifested at that those 200 years ago is our heritage but that's not how it has been right i mean everything ha- evolves right so even heritage has to be inhabited it has to evolve into its particular time it needs to change to accommodate uh, otherwise it's museumification like you just said mm-hmm. otherwise you might as well make a mo- uh, like a model of it whether one is to one one is to 50 one is to 100 and put it inside a building light it up and you know that kind of that's how your heritage is preserved mm-hmm. but heritage is is truly preserved when it also is lived in so i think that's that's very critical that uh, you know that you actually have this notion of uh, a building not as something that is uh, that is an image of what our heritage is but it's really uh, your know, heritage that actually allows you to uh, to evolve as well mm-hmm. uh, i mean you know if you think about it as as a country we have a very interesting relationship with our history i mean we can, of course given today's time it's even more exacerbated but uh, we we either see history as uh, within this kind of binary of uh, what is uh, extreme reverence so mm-hmm. you see a lot of our monuments are kind of you know walled off garden gardens you know have fences around them or you don't get access uh, or there is extreme apathy sometimes whereby you actually see people scribbling on monuments and you see you know in baroda is a very interesting example that i actually went into a, a, this old step well uh, that you know what a step well is right it's a water yeah, harvesting yeah. device right like i've seen pictures yeah, exactly. in jaipur so, and yeah. so outside the step well there was a syntex water tank you know that was used oh. to kind of hold water so it is it's you know it's things like that so we operate between these binaries of extreme apathy and extreme reverence mm-hmm. and which in both cases uh, heritage is really uh, unfortunately just forgotten or its uh, background mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. Uh, so i think there's another argument to be made for heritage or for the idea of the museum uh, the museumification mm-hmm. that uh, things also can evolve they don't have to stay static mm-hmm. so no 
but when you are like actually trying to bring or continue with this heritage hmm. uh, say for example we can see certain parts of india like the tipu sultan the mysore palace hmm. it's still uh, owned by someone and right. people still live there right. and do that right, right. Uh, as opposed to certain examples uh, in the west where certain things are like probably up i don't know i don't have an example exactly sure. but um, they are preserved right. and maintained in a particular of way course. as opposed to some forts in maharashtra right. they're just like now khandars right? right so do you see any particular pattern especially in india hmm. uh, where this context is still preserved uh, or or how the context has uh, metamorphosized uh, in the contemporary time so again just to kind of uh, talk about another cliche you know we talk about how uh, we are a kind of old civilization and things like that and what's also interesting is that while uh, as 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 indians as uh, a kind of culture uh, as a people uh, we exist both simultaneously in the past through our various kind of cultural uh, kind of images that traditions we carry with us traditions yeah. that we carry with us as well as in the future and i mean a lot of our kind of prayers are now coming through the mobile phone and stuff yeah. like that you know and during pujas my my mom does that sometimes or my yeah. dad does that uh, so it's it's interesting that uh, we have this uh, very comfortable uh, means of uh, adjusting to both the past and the present and letting it exist simultaneously however the you know just to talk about the fact that you know the forts for instance once we view them as relics they will either have to be uh, let let's say you going back to the earlier uh, kind of uh, question of context they either will become a contextual in the sense that they are beyond the context of what that geographical location is right it's just then about the fact that this was a moment in our history that we now are going to preserve hmm. uh with fortunately for us we have a huge amount of history the historical uh, kind of heritage uh but the problem is that with that scale of uh, artifact it's also difficult for us to kind of maintain everything so the best way to actually look at it is in some sense maybe a way to adaptively reuse it to to kind of think about a different uh, program for what used to be a fort but it need not be of course the easiest thing to do is look at it as a you know you could become a resort right i mean mm. lots of forts have been converted to resorts but is there a way that we can also look at institutional programs cultural programs that would inhabit these spaces rather than just being purely hospitality so maybe mm. there is an argument to be made for a sensitive readjustment of that uh, that spatial nature to allow for new programs to to mm. inhabit mm. so maybe like a well designed say david statue is maintained and it's under security there's lighting there's everything like right. it's it's properly it looks right. like a like a place to be and experience right. it right? right as opposed to um, i don't know maybe raigarh is not that way right. uh, maintained right. so you're saying that different types of uh, programs can be designed around this right, right. Uh, than looking at as like just one yeah, um, yeah. absolutely okay. i mean you know i also uh, we all know how uh, you, you know extreme museumification also has resulted in uh, let's say museum moments right where uh, if you actually have to go see uh, a famous painting whether it's uh, mona you know, lisa or whatever yeah whatever i mean it's whether it's uh, da vinci or it's uh, um any other uh, michelangelo michelangelo i mean the the number of 
tourists that you have to uh, you know kind of contend with the number of people taking pictures the crowds in front of a painting really the 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 context of that painting is 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 no longer something that lends itself to the experience of the painting anymore mm-hmm. so even preservation doesn't ne- or kind of maintenance like you're saying doesn't necessarily mean that you're resp- you're going to be able to uh, contextualize that work of art mm-hmm. you know in, in some sense so mm-hmm. it's also so there is that kind of other aspect of it as well is it just then about creating a culture of, culture of consumption that mm-hmm. this is really just about that mm-hmm. being able to consume it in a particular way as opposed to looking at it as being a part of a lived in experience like you're saying the raigarh fort what if the raigarh fort uh, had uh, let's say community center that inhabited a certain part of it right mm-hmm. so what if it became an institutional program mm-hmm. uh, so and if it was sensitively done would it be then able then would you be able to also maintain the fort because people are using it every day and then it doesn't fall into disrepair if something goes wrong people are looking at it and so on and so forth mm-hmm. so maybe there is a different way to actually uh look at uh, this idea of heritage and context mm-hmm. i'm so so like keen to know your thoughts on how has your work uh started doing this but i'll i'll keep that for the next part um and what what have been your observations about how dynamic or versatile the context has been uh at least in urban india now now if we can segue to urban india yeah so any I, observations yeah like sure no we are actually doing an entire research project currently where uh, we are looking at uh, you know what we are calling non types uh, non types for our in, in our kind of imagination our buildings that escape the definition of uh, through the formal mechanisms of the development plan of building code so whatever defines the formal city as in defines what is being constructed by developers by private individuals as buildings that are taken that taking taking permission from the bmc and then kind of being built as opposed to the buildings that in some sense have existed despite all of this being in place despite mm. formal mechanisms and uh, i'll give you a small kind of example you know in dadar tt there is a little you know a place that sells uh, certain uh, goods above which there is a hoarding and inside the hoarding there is a guy who actually has his house so now he's been there for you know god knows how many years 30 40 years but uh, i mean there have been uh, three dps that have gone by since and you know everything around it has changed buildings have become taller and stuff but this still you know kind of resists the formal planning mechanisms of dp in some sense so there is an entire city that exists between the formal city and uh, the question that you know one has to ask oneself also then is uh, you know which context are you building in which which is the context uh, of of urban india which is the context of mumbai is it the formal towers that that you know you're kind of responding to is it the the, the city in between uh, and again there are no answers to this because uh, you know there are certain the the kind of dynamics of the city are driven by so many various agencies that uh, you know the context itself is layered by uh, some contexts that are very evident which might be the geographical context but an entire mechanism of semantics in terms of building codes an entire mechanism of other kind of uh, relationships power structures that define the kind of you know the use of a particular project and its final uh, ability your final ability to build it uh, that context actually is in some sense is completely uh, i mean irrelevant within the city of mumbai in some sense mm-hmm. no because are the, the way that we are taught context in college the way that uh, our imagination of context is is completely equipped to deal with the actual mechanisms that work within the city of mumbai i mean take the coastal road for instance i mean mm-hmm. so yeah i think it's 
I don't know how like I have to listen to this again to comprehend it more uh, but I think it's then mainly where you are coming from right that sets the context because there's so many things to be observed in the same thing it's not like linear right and it's not even in a web form it's like multi-layered web absolutely right so, i think yeah, what you're probably saying you know string theory probably comes closest to <laughs> expressing the complexity yeah, of yeah, yeah. Uh, of context within uh, urban india or at least mumbai so it, it depends know. on the person who wants to fix things or who wants to yeah. make a small change here and there so yeah. the, the person where he's coming from establishes the context on his own right yeah i agree i think the only thing uh, only change that you can make is small i don't think a big change is really within the capacities of uh, you know people like us who are not willing who are not willing to get uh, let's say let's say get into politics for instance mm-hmm. i mean i think the if you really want to make big change you have to kind of get into uh, the political kind of machinery of what operates mm-hmm. uh, the city the country uh, as uh, professionals we uh, our capacities are limited to very very kind of specialized uh, areas of uh, engagement which also is important because uh, for a large period of time maybe 30 odd years or maybe even more 35 40 years uh, the professional really had no role in the imagination of the city we were really mm-hmm. kind of looking at these segmented kind of parcels of land which we were building for uh, this was primarily developer driven as you might already have understood but uh, i think now uh, seeing the way that our cities are kind of manifesting or turning out if we are not able to take on a little bit more responsibility uh, as professionals to be able to also talk about what we think is right or wrong at uh, you know within these land parcels i think we'll uh, lose further uh, kind of mandate and it'll be too i mean it's already too late in some sense but i mm-hmm. think we can recover some ground if we act fast mm-hmm. so since i've started this audio again and i've been observing and also listening to other type of content i think like designers now have to extend obviously in the in the online space uh, where i design products uh, the boundaries between product design and product management is blurring right because mm. you are a designer you need to understand the context entirely and Correct. then contribute to the overall experience i think that envelope will further push of us as designers that we should slightly get into the economics also because Absolutely. yeah like politics is i think like the next level yeah. maybe understanding just the economics of right. how a country works or how a particular society works right it's just uh, yeah so it's you're absolutely true uh, you're absolutely right i mean the, when i went actually when i studied at uh, harvard some of the courses that i took were actually on uh what to do with macroeconomics and uh, finance and things like that because really what i st- what i kind of figured as a as an architect i had a certain amount of training which was great it gave me a kind of specialized skill but it didn't give me the skill to understand the the structures that actually allow for these projects to actually happen hmm. or any kind of development to occur or not occur hmm. uh so i think that was uh, so you know i mean in some sense our kind of education makes us sensitive but it doesn't uh, it doesn't give us enough tools to actually be able to action some of that sensitivity mm-hmm. so this is slightly taking a different track uh, but uh, what like in the same context of uh, in the same context of context uh, what is the process to identify soul of a project right so if you are if you are working on a particular project and uh, you understand the context or you define the context rather the, this is where I, what i'm looking forward towards that so how do you identify the core of it like what are the parameters on which you think um, this project will thrive not for just not just for you but as a society or as 
civilization at large yeah so i i think a couple of uh, things i mean i really like the fact that you'd mentioned context of context i mean you know at what point does uh, do you stop contextualizing mm. uh, but i think what's interesting also is the fact that for me personally i i don't know about the solo for project quite frankly i mean i've uh, i've grown up uh, you know reading of uh, i mean of course listening to people like uh, doshi sir and charles korea and and who had this very uh, amazingly articulate way of defining uh, these various uh, ephemeral uh, understandings of space and building uh, and uh, what interests me more however uh, has is uh, about real value i mean how do how can you physically improve the living environment within a, a building that you make so for instance in um, the jetwan project which is a small uh, community center that we did uh, for, uh, for the somaya group as an outreach program in uh, rural maharashtra what uh, we did was we ended up using you know mud rolls on the underside of the roof uh, now typically when you actually look at uh, you think about what a finished project is you want to see uh, you know like pop clean ceilings and so on and so forth but this is actually the exact reverse we use you be using mud rolls to actually do the underside of the roof but what it does also that creates uh, excellent insulation so during the summers when the temperature outside is 43 degrees it's at least 5 to 6 degrees lower inside so uh, for me that value of uh, of the performance of a building of a certain part of a building is far greater than uh, let's say maybe finding the soul of the project you know mm-hmm, in some sense so mm-hmm. so i think for a long, for a very long time we were as architects as uh, as a kind of architectural uh, pedagogy we've talked immensely about this idea of uh, the the soul of a project and uh, uh, the uh, let's say uh, the qualities of a project that uh, that are very important of course mm. uh, but i think uh, we have to go back and now start addressing also this uh, this 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 understanding of performance and uh, not at the expense of uh, you know the, uh, let's say uh, the soul of the project but in some sense augmenting that with a, a kind of performative understanding of the project so for instance so where a user can come back and say that uh, yes it transformed me emotionally but you know i felt cooler sitting inside that building uh, even though it was completely uh, you know it was 50 degrees outside it was only 43 degrees inside mm-hmm. so uh, so i think that for me is is now becoming uh, a lot more important and i also think when you're able to make that kind of difference uh, which is easier to comprehend for the general public you also in some sense inform the general public about the uh, capacities of architecture as a discipline that the discipline has a capacity to make a physical difference to the environment it, had, it it's always had that it's just that you know we've in some sense been we've digressed by talking a lot more about the qualitative aspects rather than the quantifiable aspects mm-hmm. of uh, of the discipline so i think uh, yeah quantifying uh, this is is important and by this i don't mean uh, you know the real estate that you actually get when you buy a house no, but it's no, really it's really, really the kind of uh, the experience, experience inside yeah. yeah yeah i don't know whether i should get into this but there's matlab ek hindi mein bolte hai na ki adhyatma tab aata hai jab pet bhara ho right that's right so so that's right. so uh, it's is it that because the way india it is right now right. Uh, you intentionally focus on these aspects or maybe charles korea or lorry right, baker right, uh, focused right, on these aspects right. or this is the way to approach 
I feel this is the way you to know approach. what I mean. Yeah, right? yeah, like, absolutely. Eventually, you will get into the soul part. Absolutely. But right now, you absolutely. are in the in the like, yeah. matlab, paid yeah. baro types. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, doing that, trying to find that level of efficiency. Of course, you make mistakes sometimes because you're constantly pushing the envelope. Uh, but I think uh, the pursuit of that kind of efficiency is extremely important for the sake of not just the project but also for the profession in some sense. So, mm-hmm. okay. So it is. very little to do with india what position we are in right now oh it has absolutely everything to do with what uh, position we are okay. in right now i mean this is mm-hmm. the fact in, in why india the world i mean if you look at uh, you know countries like india through i mean other countries as well uh, what you see is that uh, a straightforward thing you know about resources the way that we are consuming our resources is there a way that we are buildings that we actually uh, build can cons- consume less what mm-hmm. if they are built entirely out of waste for instance no mm-hmm. so is there a way that we can actually look at efficiency as being a judge of how good the building is mm-hmm. uh, rather than it just being about you know this that transform transformative moment of uh, or that soul impacting transformative moment mm-hmm. uh, of course if that happens as well that's a bonus but i think the first uh, datum should be that the building is extremely uh, performative mm-hmm. oh interesting samim i would like to conclude this part uh, with uh, one last question like what is your like long term vision about future of architecture in india again in in terms of no the context word may not be uh, relevant here right now but like what's your thought process i mean what what do you imagine when you look at uh, india or the part at least the body of work you have done uh, how will it pan in 2050 or 2060 how what is um, what are the dreams that you get <laughs> yeah the dreams actually uh Honestly, I, I I'm not so I don't I don't dream that much. I don't sleep that much. I believe. Right? <laughs> no. uh, just, uh, just as a kind of what I'm really more interested in is you know in terms of the future of architecture. I'm really interested in whether architecture has a future. Hmm. You know, architecture as a discipline, as we have imagined it thus far, does it actually have a future in a building society in building uh, a better world? I think what. Uh, my dream in some sense would then be that architecture as a profession also evolves it's no longer about you know a client coming to you to design a project and you're doing a project it's also about uh, in some sense a realization that these are the kind of projects that are needed and now you go around kind of figuring out how to make these projects happen uh, so maybe the format of practice architectural practice uh, has to evolve into maybe 10 or 15 different versions there is a example that i give uh, a lot which is about this essay by ak ramanujan where he talks about is there an indian way of thinking uh and which he reframes every time he kind of uses that uh phrase by emphasizing different words so uh, sometimes the question reads as is there an indian way of thinking as opposed to uh, was there ever an indian way of thinking you know uh, mm-hmm. so it's about past present is there an indian way of thinking as opposed to uh, are there many ways of uh, you know thinking uh, like in you know in an indian sense so uh so my my real kind of interest or my dream if you if you uh, if you like the way that you put it is uh, whether we can reimagine the profession to be uh, you know kind of cloning itself in ways that would do different things so there would be some guys who would be able to uh, look at you know infrastructure projects like the coastal road and and say that you know this doesn't work in the way the format that it does but we understand how uh, you know various mechanisms actually put the coastal road into place both strategically and physically and uh, we know how to deal with this so this is a kind of architectural practice that will allow them to address you know the coastal road for instance mm-hmm. or to readdress it mm-hmm. uh, so 
that is really a kind of dream where architecture as a profession is has evolved into something that uh, now can take on the challenges that our cities face that our that our country faces and and address it uh, at the level uh, that uh, the project needs and not just at the kind of training that we've received mm-hmm. i think i'll take some time to <laughs> i'm sorry about that no, no, being, it's completely uh, fine yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, I think uh, this is a good note to end this. Obviously, there are a lot of things to be uh, generally spoken about, but given my understanding about this field in general, I would like to uh, conclude on this note. And obviously, the second uh, part, uh, I'm looking forward to more practical aspects of uh, architecture and your work as well. So, sure. thank you for giving your time, and it was lovely talking to you. Great, thanks so much. Yeah. Thank you. And that's it from today's Gyan session. Catch us on iTunes, Savan, Stitcher, or any podcasting app you use. Do rate us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Stay tuned for more Gyan on AudioGyan.com. Till then, bye. Hello, it's been a great week on the IVM Podcast Network. On this round is on me. Gauri is joined by Shweta Nanda. They talk about the financial independence and how it is to be a woman entrepreneur. On Anish thing, Anish welcomes ultra marathon runner Shivani Gharat. Shivani shares her journey of how she ran her first marathon, the mindset of a runner, and what it actually takes to run a full marathon. On Cock and Bull, Cyrus, Naveen, Akash, and Shreyas talk about the Korean band BTS serving in the military and its repercussions. On Think Fast, Varun and Suchita discuss Wing Greens and their latest acquisitions, and about the Indian sexual wellness market. And on Shuni One, Sheila Dutta is joined by Dinika Bhatia. CEO and founder of Natigrities. They talk about coming from a business family and Dinika's journey in creating healthy and guilt-free snacking. Once again, don't forget to visit our merch store on ivmpodcasts.com. We have some exciting new merch out there for you. Also, do follow us on social media. We are IVM Podcasts on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And do remember to spread the word about these shows and any other shows you might be listening to. Appreciate them, rate them, and review them wherever you are listening to them. You can also check out all our other shows on YouTube.com/slash/IBMPodcasts. And finally, we would like to thank our sponsors this week: Volvo XC40 Recharge, Bumble, Heads Up for Tails, Kotak Privy League Program, and HDFC Mutual Fund. Thanks, guys. Without you, this would not be possible. Do you often find yourself surrounded by conversations about Web three, blockchain, NFTs, DAOs? What are these terms, and how do they affect our future on the internet? So many questions, but don't worry, we've got answers to all your questions. Hi, I'm Eklavya Bhattacharya, and on our show, Future Proofing, we try to decode the impact of these future technologies on various industries with experts and tech enthusiasts. Tune into new episodes coming out every Thursday on the IVM Podcast app and the website, or wherever you get your podcasts from.